Welcome back to Shandi. In today's episode, we'll be reviewing a moving picture, sharing some motivational tips, and introducing a fun new segment that you won't want to miss. So sit back, relax, and let's dive into the world of entertainment and inspiration. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Shandi. I'm your host, Katu. Today, I want to talk about building confidence. So I did mention in the last episode, episode 69, that I would touch on building confidence eventually, and I didn't realize that eventually was literally the next episode. So here we are. So basically, there are a lot of different ways that you can build confidence. And I just wanted to pinpoint five ways that I think are pretty helpful. I am a confident person. I am confident in myself. But that, of course, took years. And I mean literal years to, you know, hone in and like understand where my confidence comes from and a healthy place that it should come from. So yeah, let's just get down to it. There are five ways that I wanted to point out, and we're going to start off with practicing self-care. Now, self-care, I feel like it's a very buzzy term these days, but what I think, you know, I think there's merit in it. I think it is important. You know, it's, and I think everyone has like a different view of self-care, right? Like when you see or like hear the word self-care, you'll think of what self-care means to you. And, you know, self-care, some people can, like, I've seen people attribute it to being, like, you know, just being lazy and not doing anything. And it's kind of like, well, for some people, that is self-care. For some people, self-care is, like, putting your phone on, do not disturb, and not being on your phone. It can look very different for each person. And... The important thing about self-care is that you're intentionally caring for yourself, right? So not only is it doing things that you want to do, but sometimes it's also doing things that you don't want to do. So for example, me, not a fan of exercising, not at all. And I've made it a point to myself to exercise more regularly and do more like activities throughout the day so that I am keeping my body moving. It's not something that I like to do because I just like lying down. (laughs) I love sleeping, you know, it's just one of those things. And I think it's, it almost comes with the territory, at least the way I've been living my life starting in like high school when I really started to like binge shows and movies, you know, I would always be in bed while I was doing that. So I think that's what has made a very, um, unhealthy like foundation for me and I'm actively trying to move away from it because it's not healthy and you know it's important to understand where your unhealthy habits come from and what to do about them so practicing self-care sleep exercising regularly eating a healthy diet all those different things can contribute to like practical self-care not just like you know gonna get a cup of boba you know shit like that like I feel like I'm taking a stab at myself because I love boba (laughs) boba is like not good for you at all like it's mad sweet anyways next way would be setting achievable goals I I'm very familiar with the term like smart goals but apparently that might not be something that everyone knows about so 
SMART goals, like SMART, is specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound goals. So it's basically like a structure that you'd use to set any type of goal. And the point of the different, I want to say acronyms, but like SMART is the acronym, (laughs) abbreviation. Wait, what is, there is a difference between abbreviation. Okay, sorry, not an English lesson. Anyways, SMART goals. We've got specific, so making sure that it's, what word would you use to like replace specific? I... Okay, so for example, instead of saying, I want to go to the gym every day, you can be specific. So I want to maintain an active lifestyle by doing cardio at the gym, you know, specific. And then measurable, I will do three sets of this type of exercise. Achievable, if you're someone who's not extremely, you know, like active, you're not going to want to start by doing a whole ass like marathon, you know, you need a, you know, what's the word, ramp up to it. Yeah, that's, that's the best way I'm going to phrase that. And relevant, like, okay, well, is this goal relevant to what you're trying to do in your life? Like, is it relevant? Is like being active relevant for you in your life at this point? Probably is. Everyone should be active. It's just a health thing. Time bound. Um, putting a time, like a deadline on things generally helps you actually like do it. Um, I can at least speak from experience. I mean, I'm in a very deadline oriented industry and having those deadlines, very clear deadlines down to like the day and sometimes the actual like hour of the day is pretty helpful and it helps you like plan your way forward next way embrace sorry that was a bit loud embrace your strength so focus on what you know you're good at and rather than focusing on like your weaknesses but also know that you do have weaknesses no one's perfect and this will help you like feel more confident in your abilities just because it's nice to, you know, when you're like talking about something like a topic and you know what you're talking about, like, like if someone asks you a question or like says something, you know that you'll be able to either answer the question or like continue the conversation. Like that's that sort of feeling that you have. That's how you'd feel if you're aware of your strengths. Like if you know what you're good at and you, what's the word? Is it take advantage of what you're good at? You know, just be like more opportunistic about it and just embrace your strengths, you know? Next, face your fears. Facing fears. I feel like there are certain fears that don't need to be faced. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I freaking hate spiders. Spiders give me stress. Every time I see a spider, I literally want to cry. Or, like, um, I have trypophobia, so, like, seeing weird, like, unevenly shaped holes in things, like, really gross. So, I think for this example, in terms of facing your fears, I mean more, like, stepping out of your comfort zone. Like, for example, applying for a job you don't think that you're qualified for, but, like, I don't mean super unqualified okay I mean like let's say 
you're a fine artist you paint you paint yeah that's that's you that's your that's your whole life i'm not saying go apply for like an hvac position or something like no 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 what i mean is if let's say you're a fine artist and you need to apply for a job but now the job you're going to apply for is something that's a little bit out of your range just do it anyways i mean what do you have to lose a little bit of time of course you know i know how long it takes to apply for jobs especially like if you want to do it like really well that does take a lot of time and energy but yeah just little like fears like that not you know phobias let's not get to phobias let's let's reel it back face your like actual i want to say normal fears because normal as in like average so just like your day your day to day fears there we go Oh god, I'm just now I'm just thinking of spiders. Oh, okay. And last but not least, surround yourself with positivity. You'd be surprised like how powerful our minds are. You'd be surprised by how positive thinking can get you much further than negative thinking. I I used to say that I was like a pessimist because I think I saw like a quote somewhere and I was like, "Oh wait, that makes a lot of sense." So, I think a person was like, "I'm a pessimist because when bad things happen, I won't be disappointed, but when good things happen, I'll be like pleasantly surprised." And I was like, "Dang, I kind of like that way of thinking. So, I'm going to adopt it." And it didn't really work out because I'm just generally a much more positive person than that. Like I'm very optimistic and i like to see the bright side of things and you know that's taken me pretty far right now but it takes a while to like actually get there and be able to think about things that way it's like very easy to get into a dark hole and spiral i used to spiral a lot when i was in high school it was really bad and then i'd also project all of that onto other people which is like mad unhealthy so how to overcome that not going to lie i did not dig deep enough into myself to actually give you advice on how to get out of a spiraling hole but definitely look it up i'm sure there's stuff out there very sure and yeah to just like end it off i think building confidence is something that definitely takes a long time once again just like overcoming obstacles which I was talking about in the last episode it's a non-linear path you know like i feel like a lot of the times there's not much in our life that's like linear every path that we take is usually like up and down in a diagonal and zigzag and what 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 all those different things nothing is ever easy and anything that is easy probably has something up its sleeve so to close off our motivational segment of building confidence i'm going to leave you with a quote from a swiss physician his name was paul tournier that's my bad um tournier maybe thank you um yes so mr paul said sooner or later those who win are those who think they can and i thought that was really poignant and it just really hits home you know building confidence is a journey it takes time and effort 
But with the right mindset, you can achieve building confidence. I'm so dead, okay? It's not really something to achieve, but it's more like something to build towards, like just keep doing it, I guess, you know? And yeah, that's it for the motivational segment. And pretty soon we'll be back for... Not me completely blanking, that's my bad. We'll be back for the next part of this episode where I'll be reviewing the most amazing animated film in the history of the world. Prince of Egypt. (laughs) It's one of my favorite movies, so that's why I'm like mad biased against it. But it's not perfect. Even though I kind of did make it sound like it was perfect. It's not. And we're going to get into that. So, come back. Okay, so... This week, I wanted to do classical movies and... Wait, classical? I feel like it should be classic. Classic movies, that's my bad. And classic in terms of like... Classic is usually described as something that's, you know, timeless. It'll always be relevant, that sort of thing. But in this case, classic to me is just like movies I think are really good and movies I think that people should watch. And the first one I'm going to be talking about, and the only one for this episode, is going to be Prince of Egypt. I need to to breathe for a second, because, like, I love this movie. It came out in 1998, year before I was born. And I know, I sound so, like, wise and old and aged. I know, I know. And Prince of Egypt is a drama animation, and it just... It's so cool. It was directed by Brenda Chapman, Steve Hickner, and Simon Wells. And it start the cast. Bro, the cast? Val Kilmer, Ralph Fiennes. Fiennes? I heard someone say, like, Fiennes the other time. And I was like, oh, I need to hear him say how he pronounces it. Michelle Pfeiffer, Sandra Bullock, Jeff Goldblum, and, like, way more. So the plot is about this Egyptian man, his name is Moses, and he learns about his identity as a Hebrew person and his destiny to become the chosen deliverer of his people. So, disclaimer, this movie is based on a Bible story, the Christian Bible story of Exodus, from Exodus? I think from Exodus is the proper English way to say that. And then it's also an adaptation, of course. Not everything is exact, but they did follow the story very closely. And I'm not saying... Yeah, no, I was definitely raised a Christian. I went to a... What was it called? I went to a Catholic primary school, an Anglican high school, and then college non-denominational like nothing in college and I do nah we're not gonna get into this we're we're not talking about me anyways prince of egypt now let's talk about my overall thoughts I love this movie as previously said I think it's so good and it's one of the movies that we got on a is it it's not called a cassette, is it? A video, a video cassette like those DVR, VDR, D- 
what are those things? Those old things that you would push into like the DVD player, but it wasn't a CD. It was like before CDs. That big black thing, like the, you know, it's like a, I think it was a cassette mine. You push it in and then like you use a pen to like rewind the little film. Sort of like, it was, it was wild. And we would like often like always rewind, especially because Prince of Egypt is also a musical. Or at least, yeah, I think it does count as a musical. And the songs were just so good. And I think, to me, it didn't feel, okay, well, I could just be saying this, but like, it didn't feel like a Christian movie. It just felt like an animation about this guy who's overcoming obstacles and there's music involved. Like, that's what it felt like to me as a kid. And that's what it still feels like to me when I watch it. Like, I don't have that, the guiding, like, principles of Christian, what is it? Oh, Christianity. I don't have that in my head when I watch the movie. And whether that's a bad thing or a good thing, I don't think it's either. I think it's just a thing that is happening. And one of the things that I truly love about this movie is the soundtrack. It is one of the only soundtracks that I could probably listen to 80% of the songs back to back. No problem. Feeling the vibes, knowing all the words. Like I lived, breathed, and ate Prince of Egypt when I was a kid. It's so good. And the acting, the voice acting was incredible. Especially Kilmer and Fiennes. Riveting. Literally riveting. The cinematography was insane some of the scenes are like just so boundless and like huge i would really encourage you to watch prince of egypt on a big tv if you can or like a big screen if you have a projector i don't know just really big like there's a scene where um moses like parts the waves and it like the waves are like huge and it's just, I just, <laughs> it's in my head and I can't like put it into words, but like it's ginormous and you like, you can see a a scene where the fish and the whale is like swimming through the water and they're like walking through the parting and they see the huge walls of water on either side of them. And it's just so like encompassing and you can feel the, tension because this is happening like towards the end of the movie and you know there's something coming that they need to be running away from but they're still like surrounded by all this beauty so cool just so cool and I loved this cinematography so much I remember in my first year of university I did like I had a color theory class and I had an assignment where we had to choose our favorite scenes from a movie and I chose Prince of Egypt and we did like lots of different color studies of it and it was just another way for me to look at the movie and then like and enjoy it even more and like look at it from a different perspective of like watching a movie was looking at it from the perspective of looking at colors and how colors play with each other especially in animation and it also just speaks to the vibrancy of the color palette. Like, oh my goodness, the animation team, I don't... They were on fire, bruh. When they were doing this, 
they were in their bag for real, for real. Like you can tell, I was watching a bunch of documentaries on it and you can just tell that when people are talking about the work that they did on this movie, they are passionate. Like they, you can tell that they really put effort into it and a lot of like love and care. And it's just really cool to see people talk about their work and like be very passionate about it. And I'm so glad I was exposed to this movie when I was a kid. It's just, it's so cool. And yeah, the animation style is like very beautiful. It's very like angular and gritty, but it can also be like very subtle and gentle at the same time. They wanted the, especially like the backgrounds, they wanted the backgrounds to look like paintings, like watercolor paintings, as opposed to like, just like flat backgrounds, I guess. And yeah, like I could go on and on about how cool, beautiful, amazing, incredible this movie is. But I also need to mention things that I think, yeah, it definitely is bad. (laughs) That's bad about the movie. Basically, as a kid, you don't really think about things like this because, I don't know, I feel like it's not really, fortunately, it's not really something that you should be thinking about as a kid. And I'm almost glad in a way, I guess, that I didn't think about it as a kid. But basically, as much as the costing is one of like the strong things about this movie, it's also one of the weakest because of how problematic it is. You know, the cast is like almost all white and it's a movie about Egypt. I mean, what what more do I need to say? Like we've seen whitewashing so many times in Hollywood and we still see it today. And we've seen it a lot, especially with like Egyptian movies as well. Like there was another Egypt Exodus Moses story. And once again, it was definitely whitewashed. And it's just something that we need to take into consideration when we talk about older movies like this that could get away with it without a lot of people batting an eye. Even still to this day, a lot of people don't talk about the Prince of Egypt and how the casting is whitewashed like it's unfortunate um not to like i don't know how do i say this not to i guess bash on the voice actors because they did they were phenomenal amazing you you heard me you know i love this movie but you know we have to think about things like this at least moving forward now we can't just replace people you know like there's there's like a core difference that you can tell man I feel like I'm not putting this the right way hmm I think for for certain things I wouldn't necessarily call it like whitewashing for certain situations but for this one because it is the prince of egypt which is a bible story which is taking place in ancient egypt 
I'm not saying be super realistic, but if you're going to follow the story and the plot line so closely, you might as well get some people who fit the roles better. Right? Do you know what I mean? But it's just, yeah, it's just one of those, like, it's two sides to a coin, two sides to a story, that sort of thing. It's just something to think about, at least with Prince of Egypt. You know, it's a very specific situation that calls for sorry the my neighbor is stomping the yard up there oh my goodness and yeah it's just something to think about i think prince of egypt is a great movie as previously said you know i love the cost i think the knowing where the cost is now they're all of them are like pretty famous like pretty well known and they're all pretty freaking good at their jobs. I just wish that we could have more open conversations about it, at least. You know what I mean? You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, with that being said, I would give Prince of Egypt... I used to give it a 10 out of 10. Then I learned about whitewashing and Hollywood and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Never actually thought about that. And then I thought about how Prince of Egypt is whitewashed. And I was like, oh, damn. So now it's an 8 out of 10. But still very freaking good. Very, very good. Now, um, oh, wait, yes, that's actually it for the review. Now for the next segment, the mission. <laughs> that's my bad. The miscellaneous section. I'm going to talk a little bit more about Prince of Egypt, but more about the behind the scenes and a little bit about the soundtrack. So I'll be right back. Okay. So for our last segment, the miscellaneous segment, we're going to talk about a few fun facts and also the soundtrack of Prince of Egypt. So apparently, fun fact, the production team and executive producer Jeffrey Katzenberg conferred with roughly 600 religious experts to make this movie as accurate and faithful to the original story as possible. After previewing the developing movie of all the religious scholars, experts, and leaders associated in the making of this movie, noted that the studio executives listened and responded to their ideas and praised the studio for reaching out for comment from outside sources. I think this is Another thing that makes like Prince of Egypt so well received by whoever watches it is that they took into account outside sources, right? Like they made a more well-rounded movie because they took opinions and ideas from outside of their production circle. And, you know, that something we're all always taught about taking into account other people's opinions and views and experiences. And that's why you do want to have a diverse group of people doing anything, really, because whatever you're doing, whatever your objective or your goal is, chances are it's going to be more elevated, more well-rounded, because you have so many different experiences from your diverse group of people. And I think that really speaks true to Prince of Egypt and how it was made. 
So remember how in the previous segment I was talking about the parting of the Red Sea. It was the Red Sea. I didn't mention that part. But like, you know, huge waves and stuff and how the like whale was swimming in the water like next to them. That took 10 animators. I don't think 10 is the right number though. But I think at least 10 animators, two years to make. And that scene was only four minutes long. Just... For those who are listening and who have watched Prince of Egypt, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And you know how amazing that scene is. And I just need you, if you have not watched The Prince of Egypt, to just go on YouTube real quick and Google Red Sea Parting, Prince of Egypt. It is stunning. Like, it is so cool. And, you know, I do have, like, the sense of nostalgia and... You, when you see something for the first time as a kid, it's definitely different from how you see it when you're an adult. But I still have that like exact feeling seeing it from when I was a kid to seeing it now. Like it's amazing. And my bad, I just needed to breathe. Like I was just thinking about that scene. It's so cool. And the voice of God to avoid controversy was played by all the major actors. The actors were told to whisper the line so no one would dominate the performance. But by the time they got around to having Val Kilmer read his lines, they realized that they needed someone to be louder. You can still hear the rest of the cast whispering beneath Kilmer's voice in God's lines. And I never realized this until I researched that and I found that fact and I was like, that tracks. Because whenever God is talking in the movie, it just sounds like very eerie and like powerful. Like it's interesting to see how they characterize God in the movie. It was just like you could feel the power in his voice because that's the only way we saw God. You know, we we didn't get an actual like visual representation of God in terms of like a person we got his representation in in terms of like the voice in terms of a burning bush in terms of like I believe like wind and then you know you also see him or her in um or them in the form of like the plagues and water turning to blood and firstborn children dying and all that sort of stuff. So just seeing that and like hearing that, it makes sense. Like I can I can understand now why I felt the things I felt whenever I heard God speaking in the movie. And yeah, it was just like really cool. I was like, oh, those are like multiple people talking. Whoa, that sounds fire, dude. Yep. And the songwriter from Pocahontas wrote the music, and then Hans Zimmer, who we, I'm like, I want to say like 95% sure that almost anyone who's watched a lot of like blockbusters would know who Hans Zimmer is, whether you know him by his name or not. Nine times out of ten, I'm sure you know him because the, his like work is wild. Like, the amount of things that he's done by, by by now, it's wild. By the time he did Prince of Egypt, 
He was responsible for the Lion King. He did the score and the composing. And he did the score and the composing for Prince of Egypt too. And he was mentioning in the documentary that it's... He had to, like, think. Of course, I mean, everyone has to think. But he had to think about what music would have sounded like back then in that specific culture. He had to, like, think about that. But then he also had to think about how the audience would receive whatever music that's put into the movie. So that was, like, his guiding principle was how do we characterize this period of time but also make it accessible in a way, I think is the word accessible to the audience who would be watching it when the movie was released. And I think that's a great segue into the songs that I want to highlight from this soundtrack. <laughs> um, I wrote in my notes that <laughs> this is the exact sentence I wrote in my notes. Songs I want to highlight from the soundtrack that get my toes curling every time. <laughs> and one of them is um, Deliver Us, which is one of the beginning songs. It's by Ofra Haza. And she's amazing, by the way. She sang in... I think she sang... Was it Deliver Us? It was one of the songs. She sang it, and she sang it in 20 other different languages, too. Like, she just learned the other languages phonetically. And she sang that for one of the songs. I can't remember what song it is now, but for one of them. And her voice is breathtaking. It's mesmerizing, and it's perfect. I don't use the word perfect a lot, even though I have used it a lot in this review. We move. But literally... There are very few things that are perfect in this world, if anything. And her voice is one of them. Another song, All I Ever Wanted. Very good. Through Heaven's Eyes. Love this song. And I think I love this song mainly because of what it like talks about. It talks about who you are as a person versus, you know, all the materialistic things that you have in your life. And the premise of the song is that you, your value is who you are as a person, not the things you own. And the last but not least, actually, that's Cap. There are so many other songs that I would mention that I freaking love. And one of them is The Plagues. I love, I love like songs that have a lot of layers to them. Like quite literally when they layer a lot of like voices onto it at the same time. And people are like singing or like they're whispering. Like a that's why I love the plagues so much because they do exactly that because the plagues is the song that starts when of course the plagues are starting and the plagues if you don't know are very scary it's almost it's not judgment day necessarily but like it might as well be sort of thing there are locusts water turns to blood um people are dying um, what are they called? Firstborn children. They're just they're just falling to the floor. They're dying. And there's more stuff that happens. Like, you know, cows are dying. Like, there's diseases. Crops are not growing anymore. Like, the plagues are hectic. It is scary. It's tense. And 
the soundtrack, like the song for the plagues, like it's just called the plagues. It's so good. And it starts like off very creepy and it's perfect. And it just fits the mood so well. And then last but not least, um, I wanted to mention playing with the big boys. I love the song. It's one of my favorite songs. It's one of my, it's one of those songs that I'd always like sing with my sisters and we'd always like sing it together and we'd like whisper it and we'd like shout it. Like, it's just one of those songs that's very easy to get into. I want to say almost like how, if you know the words to Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen, when you're singing it, you will be into it. That's how we feel with playing with the big boys now. So good. And yeah, that pretty much wraps it up for today's episode. And I would 110% recommend Prince of Egypt. It's just such a beautiful movie to see. Even if you're not like a very religious person, even if you don't know the Bible story of Moses, doesn't matter. Like you could literally, you won't be lost is what I'm trying to say. And if not, you can also just listen to the soundtrack. I think the soundtrack on its own is pretty phenomenal. Definitely, like, check out the soundtrack. If you don't watch the movie, that's fine. I, I'm not going to cry. But if you don't listen to the soundtrack, I might shed a tear. Just a small tear. Small one. Very small. And, yeah, that's it for today's episode. And next week... We will be looking at, hmm, I'm trying to decide between, like, The White Lotus, Poker Face, and, like, Kunk on Earth. That's what I'm trying to decide between. So feel free to check the poll under this message. Message, I'm so dead. Under this episode, if you're on Spotify, check the poll, vote on which one you want me to review, and... Maybe that's the one I'll review. Help me help you. You know what I'm saying? Cool. Catch you next time. Katulife out. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. Don't forget to follow Shandi on Instagram at shandi.pod and on Twitter at shandi_pod for more updates and behind-the-scenes content. See you in the next episode.